This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Outer Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello and welcome to our monthly podcast on the big themes dominating markets and their investment implications. I'm Swaha Patanaik, Head of Publishing, and I'm joined by Monica Defend, who leads the Amundi Investment Institute. Monica, it's great to have you sit down with us again. Thank you, Swaha, and welcome back to everybody. Uh, so, Monica, when we last chatted about macro and markets, it was just before Christmas. A lot's happened since then. I should perhaps therefore kick off by asking you for a quick recap of how the markets have moved since we last caught up and what are they pricing in right now? Yes, thank you. Uh, well, well uh, it has been a rocky year end with both uh, bonds and equity eventually uh, returning positive uh, uh, performance with the notable exception of, uh, of China. Since then, uh, a lot of talks around what the central banks should do and the Fed and the ECB representatives saying, hey guys, you need to be patient, it's not time uh, for, for cutting rates now. So this was uh, really the mood uh, on, the, on the market, central banks still center stage. Thank you, Monica. And that central bank commentary has pushed the markets a little bit more in the direction of your forecasts and what you were expecting central banks to do. You still think, though, that markets are pricing in monetary easing a little bit early. Why do you think that is? I honestly think that the the market participants are living this conundrum, that dilemma, saying whether asking themselves whether uh, the central banks are penciling in a new scenario or if it's just a repricing of expectations. Uh, we stick uh, to to the view that uh, it's too early uh, to uh, cut rates. The reason being inflation. So as we mentioned several times, the uh, process for inflation to move lower will be progressive, will be non-linear. And see, there are some important uh, things that are taking place, not to mention the uh, geopolitical tensions, the, the last one's been uh, in, the, in the Red Sea, but uh, the wages negotiations are still on and they will be concluded by April. And I think this uh, will really be uh, something the, the central banks will have to look into. What has changed vis-a-vis uh, uh, -vis, uh, our call that um, is for 150 basis points for the Fed starting end of May and 125 uh, by the ECB starting in June is that we have the impression that the call will not be related to growth deceleration, but it will be really um, related to uh, to inflation. So this is a, a change, a disentangle in the uh, expectations that we think it's uh, it's relevant. The labor market is still good, too good probably, if you look at the top-down numbers, but uh, if you look at the quality uh, of the job that has been created, there is some uh, cooling down. Uh, there are less uh, job openings. Uh, they are not uh, layoff, but uh, there is still uh, time for the labor market to cool. You mentioned the issue about inflation being the, the thing that's going to drive the monetary easing cycle. You also flagged a few geopolitical risks. How are they feeding into the inflation scenarios that you're looking at? 
Well, let me say, first of all, that our base case is for the geopolitical risks not to boil over, but they need to be closely monitored. Um, Starting from the Middle East, the tensions have uh, the scope to affect oil prices in case uh, the situation uh, won't uh, remain confined uh, to, to, re- to the region. But to this, uh, we added the situation in the Red Sea. And on that, um, I would like to say, well, this, the risk, the channel uh, will be obviously inflation, but also supply chain uh, disruptions that at this stage seems to us more short-term and temporary. Mm, well, and then there, there are three dimensions that will uh, determine how far and how big will be the effect on supply chain disruptions and inflation. This will relate to the breadth, the duration, and the location uh, of the um, of the risk, uh, meaning some back of the envelope calculation at the, uh, the citing the uh, IMF. If uh, the situation in the Red Sea protracted for 12 months, meaning that we can double the cost of uh, shipping rates, well, uh, we might have a plus 0.7 on the inflation uh, print. So it, it is really related uh, to the channels and the dimensions that uh, we need to, uh, to closely monitor. Great. Thanks for outlining that. Let me turn now to sort of like you've been talking about the supply side. Let me talk about the global economic backdrop, which includes the demand side. How is that looking now? Let me focus on two uh, of the uh, main regions we are looking at, the US and China. In the US, uh, we are seeing more growth and less inflation. Uh, With the release of the latest GDP numbers, we've seen a positive contribution from all the components. Domestic uh, demand weakened, but less than expected, while we had some positive surprise on more volatile components such as inventories and net export. The key variable to watch is real disposable income. That came at the 2.8, whereas expectations were for 1.7. So uh, this was really good. But on the uh, other side, the credit card debt uh, um, is really uh, sky skyrocketing. So um, we really, there is, you know, that we have this call uh, for a mild recession kicking in. We have a minus 0.3 on average for the first half, not annualized. Uh, to see that uh, coming, uh, we need lower realized corporate profits and lower uh, government spending. If you look on that front, uh, really we have a plus 0.7 to GDP growth over the last six months. So uh, definitely it will be uh, a deficit and debt issue uh, in the medium to long term, but this is helping uh, the, uh, the economy. Last but not least, we don't agree uh, with the uh, EPS expectations that, uh, to our view, are still too high. And you mentioned another region that you wanted to talk about, China. Yes, exactly. China and the low inflation era. Uh, the uh, GDP came out at 5.2, and this stands uh, by our view of growth moderation, uh, 3.9 in 2024. Uh, so we are diverging a little bit from the more optimistic expectations. 
to truly comprehend China's economic reality, uh, one indicator cuts through, and this is the noise CPI that has been dropping for the third straight month. CPI came out at 0.2 versus a 2% uh, expectation. So there is a palpable uh, decline in consumer confidence. The risk uh, to our cautious views uh, relates to potential uh, for fiscal stimulus uh, going beyond infrastructure or upcoming affordable housing program uh, that could help uh, the uh, the economy. But as, as I said, that these are the risks uh, to the upside. Thank you, Monica. You've gone through quite a lot of different strands. Let's tie that together and ask. let me ask you, how is all of this filtering through to your investment convictions? Well, there has been a notable shift in the rational underpinning our cautious stance. Now it's more uh, related to valuations uh, that are expensive and and technicals that are not supportive vis-a-vis economic backdrop. But this uh, leaves us with the idea that should a correction in the market take place, minus 10, this would turn into uh, a buy buy opportunity. And what about um, perhaps specifics or sectors that you might like uh, in the equity market? Well, uh, still we maintain our positive, and actually we reinforce uh, our view on uh, on Japan. Uh, this has been uh, helped not only by the yen. It is tough uh, to see the yen uh, to appreciate when uh, the economic backdrop overall seems improving. Um, the equity market and the corporate sector are gaining competitiveness and the shareholder friendly reform allow Japan to gain further uh, share on the uh, global market, not to mention valuation and the reindustrialization that eventually uh, are favoring uh, this, uh, this country. Uh, second, on the more traditional, on the uh, US in Europe, as I said, EPS expectations are really um, too optimistic. Um, we think that a 5-6% EPS growth uh, might be delivered uh, next year. And we are just in the middle uh, of the reporting season and we are seeing some shrinking in the in the volumes, but having said that, the S and P five hundred is uh, back at record level uh, for the uh, first time in two years, in particular the tech sector. Um, it's still a very concentrated uh, market. Uh, with this in mind, on uh, on Europe, still uh, time to stay uh, in the uh, more defensive um, sectors and and quality on the uh, credit. Still to uh, to comment on the risk asset. We uh, reiterate our call for IG versus a high yield. Okay, let me stay uh, with Japan, which you were pretty constructive on. How is this showing up in your FX views on dollar yen or yen against other currencies? Well, when compared to uh, probably the last time uh, we talk, uh, we um, review a bit the, um, the view on the US dollar, meaning that for the time being, we still expect some resilience with sentiment and US rates prolonging uh, the strength uh, of the US dollar um, during this, uh, this quarter, uh, while uh, with the uh, economic backdrop improving, um, it is difficult, as I said, uh, for the yen to uh, display its uh, uh, safe even uh, future. So 
we really need a little bit of time and probably uh, the Fed to clearly pivot uh, to see eventually uh, the US dollar to weaken. And this will probably part of the second half of the year, sorry. Mm-hmm. So that dollar view and Fed view are also very important for emerging markets. What are you expecting for EM then? EM, it, it is really a very uh, heterogeneous um, universe. Definitely, uh, when uh, rates in the uh, United States will uh, drift lower and um, versus the current uh, level of the Treasury, we have a fair value of 355. So this is the direction. Uh, for uh, for lower rates uh, in the medium term, this clearly uh, will favor uh, the um, the emerging market space. So we stay uh, with the view that there will be some countries that will uh, um, benefit uh, from the um, relocation uh, and diversification of uh, supply chain. I'm thinking about uh, Korea. I'm thinking about uh, uh, India. Uh, those countries uh, that uh, will be successful uh, in uh, diversify, diversifying in the um, energy energy transition. So still uh, a nice cherry picking in the emerging market, but more related to domestic story and domestic transition than uh, US dollar weakness and lower policy rates for the time being. Got it. We are unfortunately nearly out of time, but I really, really wanted to ask you about the US trip you've just got back from, literally at the weekend, I think. What were the main talking points that kept coming up when you were over there? You know, I was very surprised um, because we are only in January, but the debate around the US election is super, super hot. And all of the uh, investors and clients I met, the first question was US election. What do you expect? what will uh, change. And the second question was uh, related to China, which again, uh, is something new being in the uh, US, but investors uh, were asking themselves whether at this level, uh, it was time uh, to re-enter in uh, in China. In there, uh, we shared uh, our constructive view uh, over the medium term amid short term uh, headwinds. That's really interesting, Monica. Well, thank you for that and for all the other insights. Thank you, Sva. And thanks to all of you for joining us for this episode. We hope we'll see you here again soon. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2014-65-EU, dated 15 May 2014, as amended from time to time on markets and financial instruments, called MIFID II. Views are those of the author and not necessarily Amundi Asset Management, SAS. They are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice, as a security recommendation, or as an indication of trading for any Amundi products or any other security, fund units, or services. Past performance is not a guarantee or indicative of future results.